Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. Talk radio with the best host in the business. 
Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshaies is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshaies has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshaies. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshaies, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. I really uh, appreciate, as you know, being here each and every day and giving the opportunity to talk about the things that are going on around the country and just having dialogue uh, with those of you who call in and talking about the things that impact our society, and how people are being treated and how we supposedly value certain things in our country. But sometimes what we say we value is no more than lip service uh, because we totally do uh, the opposite of what it is we say we, we, we love and enjoy. Uh, I want to talk about today uh, Virginia and the state of education in our country. Saddens me that uh, after teaching 30 years in uh, in Florida, uh, starting my education or my teaching career in Virginia in a place called Norfolk, Virginia, and recognizing that people are still struggling and fighting uh, to get what they deserve 
in the career they have chosen, which is one of the most important careers in our lifetime. But yet we are, our teachers have continued to be. My mother was an educator, and she taught for 30-plus years as well. And I went back into the history and Googled what it was that my mother made when she first started teaching. And she made $5,000 a year, which came to like um, less than $500 a month. So when I was born in 1960, she was making about $500 a month. And, you know, it. when I first started teaching, I was making less than 30000 a year, right at 30000 And um, not faring real well right out of college. And had to have a second job. My second job was working at, and I held on that job for a year, and I continued working second jobs to make extra money to go along with my teacher's salary. And, you know, so I can speak to the fact that most teachers are not able to even have a decent apartment or drive a decent car when they first start teaching. So much of their money when they first start, unless they have a family, goes toward their living expenses and then secondarily a car. So how can you say that you, that educating your children is so important when the teachers that are providing that education are nearly living on the poverty line, especially when they first get out of college. So, you know, we want to just talk about how it is we desecrate what we supposedly say that we value is our children and their education, that we're willing to pay so much money for their college education, but don't want to spend a lot on finding quality teachers and keeping quality teachers in their lives from through high school. Cheryl, uh, as I come to you, I just want to ask you, you know, why is it we don't put our, our money where our mouth is when we talk about how important our children are to us, but yet we want to, the people who care about them the most or spend, or spend more time with them outside of their parents, teachers, but we want our teachers to struggle? Are you there, Cheryl? I'm here. Good evening, and how's everyone doing? You know, that's one thing that I was never able to understand is, you know, the pay. 
in which the teachers receive. I mean, it's so, I mean, it has never been enough. And you're so correct because um, we're expecting them to do a lot. And our children are with them the majority of a day. And it's like they're not getting the pay that's due. You know, we have um, athletes. We have um actors and actresses, all of them get paid way more than what a teacher's um, salary is. And they're very underappreciated when it comes to showing them because of their salary. Um, you know, I like I said, I've always wondered why teachers never got the um, the pay that they so deserve. And I mean, you know, we talk about how we raise in maybe two, three, four children, but this is every day with 24 to 30 children in a class with all different personalities and still being able to be productive and getting your child to learn what's necessary. So, Um, in my opinion, they have always been underpaid. And really, whatever raise that they get now, they still are probably being underpaid. Um, D, one of the things that I've always appreciated and honored the the job that I had as an educator, and uh, it was more than just a paycheck. And literally, I spent the majority of my life working a second job as a man because I never really had a family. So it wasn't like I needed to go home to, you know, a wife and children. So I would take on the the ability for a second job to have extra money that I could save. And it was only because when I started out as a teacher that I lived uh, initially, my first job when I was in Virginia, I lived, uh, uh, had a roommate, and then I found a small place that I could afford, and then I returned to Florida where I stayed with my mother when I started my career out. So I really never had uh, my own place uh it just was like that. And so a lot of times, you know, I went from being single uh, to to being married and having two incomes, uh, but only because of those two incomes that we have a size about um, amount of money. And we I've never had, uh, again, a whole lot of children. So, you know, I have to sympathize with teachers who are married and have children and have a house note and have all these things going on and recognize that the money that I had that was extra money was a result of my situation and not because of my income. And so we sit and want to, want to, we want the best teachers in the world, but we want to pay them a minimal amount. And the people who are well-educated, are not going to go into education if the salary doesn't entice them. So we we say we want 
teachers who are have great abilities, but yet we don't entice people to come into the field because of the lack of income. Well, you know, James, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, and hello, everybody. Uh, I'm sharing. Um, you know, uh, it seems as though that everything gets bureaucratic, uh, even uh, in, in the school system, in the state level, um, the uh, the money seems to stop somewhere at the top. Uh, if, if if the money is available to pay teacher salaries, um, I've I've seen teachers to go on strike uh, and and uh, and attempt to get a better wage and uh, excuse the background and all that to go into a monsoon. Um, but you know, uh, in this day and time, it's, it's been noted that uh, children have learning uh, capabilities and, and different uh, uh, areas of, uh, of retaining information. And all of that, uh, it's, almost that, it's almost like teachers are going to have to be a little bit more creative being in the classroom of 30-some uh, students. Uh, and, and also uh, the... Uh, Lesson criteria seems to be old hat, and and I say that in a way where uh, it seems to be hard to uh, hold the, the students' attention with the uh, with the uh, student with the uh, lesson criteria that seems to be been around for the last fifty years. So uh, going forward, um, something is going to have to, like you say, help entice modern day. And, and 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 students and young people coming up that would like to be educators, but but the pay rate does not reflect uh, them to be inviting into the field of education. So uh, you're right. Um, somebody's gonna have to start paying attention because we we on your show all the time speak about how our children seem to have fallen through the cracks in a lot of areas. And if they and going forward, if we want to correct that, then this is one thing that has to be looked at. Thank you. And you have to you have to know this. Um, and I don't know how many people out there are aware of it, and I just want to bring it to their attention. And this is not something that I I um, I'm I'm guessing. This is something that I know. Educators who believe teach good teachers are in, enticed to get out of the classroom by the system and not stay in the classroom by the system. So a lot of my colleagues who were good teachers chose to go back to school and to get into um, guidance or get into administration because that was the only way they could get their pay raised significantly. So they would pay tens of thousands of dollars to go back to school to get their master's and get their doctorate degree in order to increase their salary. And they would have to pay for those degrees on their own. So there was no assistance with paying for the degree. 
And so what I did was I sought outside jobs, and I worked at the community school for more than 15 years, and uh, the 15, the salary, and, I, and when I evaluated the salary, and I said, well, why should I pay $10,000 to get a, a secondary degree when I'm making 25000 at the college? And um, and I was doing that part-time each year, so I didn't want to take my money and have to quit my job uh, in hopes that I get another uh, a degree or get to be a principal. So that was what made me stay working a second job was because I was making more money on a second job than, than it took me to pay for my degree. The other thing, when teachers got a degree, uh, uh, got their master's, they only gave them $2,000 extra a year. Now think about what if somebody told you, okay, listen, I want you to pay $10,000 to get your master's, but I'm only going to pay you 2000 extra a year, and it's going to take you more than five years to regroup the money that you lost. Okay? And so a lot of teachers did it just for the fact they wanted to have a master's, but $2,000 was not enough encouragement make most people get their masters. A lot of times if you want people to have a secondary or excuse me, a masters in private industry, they tell you if you go get your masters, we'll pay for it. We'll pay for every class that you take, that you pass with a C or better, we'll pay for that class. That is not the encouragement they give to teachers. They tell teachers go pay ten thousand to get your masters and we'll give you an extra $2,000 a year. Now, you ask yourself, what kind of trade-off is that? What kind of, how are you encouraging teachers to invest in their knowledge when you're not willing to even pay for it? So, Cheryl, you know, the system says they want qualified teachers, but they're not encouraging them to keep going back to school? You know, and another thing, too, is um, if this is not paid for, then they're going to have student loans. Um, my nephew was going to pharmaceutical school to be a pharmacist, and he he determined that what he's going to pay back in student loans was going to be more than if he kept his supervisor position. At, um, so, you know, one does not outweigh the other. If they're not paying, and I mean paying for teachers to go back to school and providing them you know, with a substantial increase in pay, then they're looking at this is additional time. I'm not going to get but a little bit more money. 
and I'm going to be left with student loans. So with all of that being said, I mean, that's not something that they really, you know, want to do. I mean, you in you teach in school, and now you got to go back to school. So um, you're right. It has to be, the incentive has to be much greater than the loss when you um, when you put it on paper and count up the cost. Joyce, I literally, let me just share with you, when I look back at it, I'm telling you um, that I it had to be, teaching was a career for me, and I only, I did it for 30 years, and I had some, you know, I really wanted to help people, okay? But when I look at it, it took me, I started, my teaching career making about 28,000 a year which was four nearly four to five times more than my mother made when I was born and it literally took me 30 some years to get to 60,000 so that meant I earned a little more than um a thousand a year as we as I rode up the ladder, and the only reason life was a little better for me again was because I worked a second job the majority of those thirty years and it is just sad when we ask and again, I was a man, and you're asking men these women who have children uh who have families they need to take care of who have a second job after they leave. You know, it is just incredible that life has not got that people who say they care about their kids and who want the best teachers are still forcing them to live in the same way. When you have an educated child who comes out of school with a lot of loans and um, they find themselves owing Fifty or sixty thousand in loans before they even get started, and you're only paying them about thirty-five thousand a year as an educator starting out. You're really not doing being fair to them and wanting so much from them when you say that you value the education of your your children. That's correct. Uh, I I feel your pain. Uh, try 400000 That's what my son was faced when he got out of medical school. This is ridiculous. I think educators and teachers should be the most expensive job there is um, in the workforce because this, everything they do is for our future. But uh, something about America, they don't look at it that way. I don't know why they want to pay them mediocre because that is a task. You asking them and you sending them off to do something that you're not able or capable of to do. So, therefore, I think that teachers should be the most high-paid employer, employee there is. Uh, that job should gravitate. Therefore, that means that you're getting the best of the best. They're dedicated to what they do. Uh, they committed to what they do because it is a calling to be a teacher. And to me, it's a sacrifice for what they put up with 
because they are definitely underpaid. A lot of them have to have two and three jobs in order to to do what their passion is, which is teach. And it shouldn't be that way. It doesn't make any sense for them to to live from paycheck to paycheck the way that most of them do. And that's, in to me, in every state. And it's a shame. And I think the reason why uh, people don't put that much into it uh, because you got the rich, the other rich, they can afford to send their kids to private schools. But then, too, when you do that, you're not getting the best of the best because a lot of them, you be like a Trump. Money can't buy you dumbness. You know, I stood that ground today from what you indicated in your email. I didn't look at that portion of the news today because we had a, a robbery uh, suspect today uh, that took a portion of the news. But to me, if they stood their grounds to get what they want, more power to them. Yeah, they did. They uh, were out nine consecutive days. They struck for nine consecutive days for a 5% raise. And uh, 5% used to be, uh, you know, we never got, I I think the maximum I ever got was sometimes 8%, if that, never anywhere near 10. So they did a good job. But you need to ask yourself, these people, there were times when Florida would offer us a 3% raise. And I I, I literally want to go down and tell them, say, look, if you can't afford to give me but a 2 or 3% raise, just teach it. Because it ain't going to make no difference in my life when you whittle it all the way down and I see 20 or 30 or $40 more in my in my paycheck. You know, and so that's what I think about going to be the bottom line after you give me a raise. And it is just ridiculous and embarrassing that you offer somebody a raise where they're not going to see any more than uh Twenty or thirty dollars additional in a paycheck, you know, and you have to ask yourself, what in the world I'm gonna do with twenty or thirty more dollars, you know? And so, it is just ridiculous. I know that there are times when we went uh, for five to ten years without getting any raise, because anytime there was any hardship, the first people they look to cut or reduce, uh, they wouldn't reduce our salaries, but they just uh, not increase our salaries for the longest. Now, and the superintendent and uh, the principals and uh, all those people were, were making good money and and, uh, and receiving all kind of raises when the ones who were down there on the front lines were really being treated as, as second-class citizens. And we really need to ask ourselves, you know, when we, we do this to the people who are, who are in charge of educating our children, and then we want to know why so many teachers are leaving uh, leaving before they retire, and uh, the retirees are getting just fed up and leaving as soon as they get to that position. And so it is, uh, I, I thank the governor for signing the, the bill that gave those teachers a raise. I feel sorry that the teachers had to go to that extent but that's what it is. It's, it's almost like they dare you uh, to do anything uh, and leave you with only one option uh, because they don't want to deal with you fairly. And so it is so sad that we find ourselves in this position. And I, when Cheryl talked about, I don't begrudge the basketball players and the actors. Uh, they 
but uh, what I do begrudge is is that our government does not see the necessity to put ta- more tax dollars in education. They can put more tax dollars in everything else. They want to put tax dollars in prisons. Uh, they want to put more tax dollars in their pockets, uh, but they want to leave teachers struggling uh, to to make a living and to provide for their family. Uh, we want to have a nice car, a nice place to live as well. Uh, so they really need to really think about uh, where they, you know, where they value, what what it is that they value, and they say they value their children, Cheryl but they don't always show it. I'm sorry. Say that again. Ask me that. You, I I'm heard just you saying, say you know, the government know. says they, the government say they value their children, but they don't always show it. And these are young people. You know, how are you going to encourage young people to go to school uh, to live in poverty? You know, if somebody comes Whoop. up to me now and says, uh, Mr. Deshea, I'm going to college to be a teacher, I don't encourage them to do that. I say, well, is there anything else that you could do that would make you more money? Because you really gonna struggle to make money as a teacher. And you right. You have to have uh, a mate that com- supports you, and as this is just something that you really love, in order to do it. And it's a shame. It really is. And just like I said, you know, although they have gotten this 5%, and that's what I think it is, that still is not nowhere right. near 5%. enough. And, and none of the benefits that they really, really deserve. Because, I mean, they are a group of people that struggle. I mean, you can do, I mean, a whole lot of different, you can work at McDonald's and get a good position at McDonald's. And McDonald's, those corporations have great benefits and make more than just being a teacher. And it's a shame because, like I said, we depend on, you know, we depend on teachers to educate our um, children. And not only that, you know, we're looking for teachers not to go to school with a bad attitude, with great personalities, because all of these things, is important on the development of our children. And you're talking about don't um, value? No, don't value at all. I mean, because if if the teachers were valued, they wouldn't even have to go on a strike. They wouldn't have to have gone on it this long. They would immediately have done something, or they would have done something to keep them from going on strike. So no, we don't. Um, you know the um, the teachers are not being valued, and you know going to school. I mean, you really, really have to have a passion because you're gonna really, really be in debt because of your um, your passion. So you're gonna need another job and a spouse that's gonna help you just so that you can live comfortably. Another job will just just help you to make it. But um, and this time, you know, everything is going up, and the salaries are still staying staying the same. So with this little bit of increase, this is you know this is just a joke. I mean, I understand that this is what they wanted to get them back, you know, to school, and they got it. 
but still, it's you know, it's like it's telling you, it's telling them, you know, this is only what we think of you. I, I just want to give you. I quickly did a a uh, some research on the starting salary in Alabama is thirty six thousand, uh, and Alaska is forty four, and Arkansas is thirty two. And Arizona is 31, and California is 41, and and Connecticut is 32, and the District of Columbia um, is 42, and and Delaware is 51. So, you know, I just, when you sit there and say that, think about what I just told you. When I started teaching in 1984, the starting salary was 28, 29, around 28, 29, 30. And so in in the number of years, 30 years later, the salary is no more in a lot of these states, right at the same thing, around 30-something, and some of them has gone up 10,000, uh, and, and very few of them are more than 20. So you can see that. People have really not put any interest in trying to raise the salary of these people, but the salary of their uh, the not the salary, but the amount of their college costs has increased. When I went to uh, South Carolina State, you could get you could get a degree in South Carolina at South Carolina State for four years if you had ten thousand dollars. You could get you a degree if you stayed in South Carolina State for four years. And that was back in 1982. So now when you're looking at even four or five times that much, where a degree is costing fifty to 60000 um, and just like um, Joyce, you said, costing um, almost hundreds of thousands if you're going to medical school, you can see where the amount of money it costs to be a teacher is not keeping up with uh, the salary is not keeping up with the cost of school. So you're going to spend the first five, six years of your schooling trying to pay off your your uh, college debt. That's true. And uh, what they've implemented now, that it used to be where they would help you with your your loans and the whole bit, but uh, when Trump had put in place, Obama was uh, uh, credited for that. But they took away uh, some of that support to help uh, with educators to, and people to to get a education and go to school. It's ridiculous. Uh, what we did, my husband and I, um, we didn't want our son to, to have a head start like that, coming out of medical school, paying that kind of money. So uh, we 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 helped him pay as you go, uh, but it, it wasn't as much of a impact, but of course he could make that up. But still, even being a doctor, it takes a while for you to recover for for four hundred thousand. That's a lot of money. Uh, luckily enough, he went into a, a rural area too, where you know you can get some of those credits. But that is not forgiven the way that it should be. So um, it doesn't encourage our young people to to really uh, to go because what they want nowadays, our young people, they want fast money. They want increase. They want to see a big paycheck quick. But uh, and teachers are not that 
not the route. So they're going to have to reverse uh, how they view teachers, how they view the salary. Because I tell you what, uh, good grief. If that's all they're making here, thirty-one thousand, there's no way that I would I would do a job like that. There's no way. I live in Arizona, and believe me, uh, golly, I make twice as much as a as a teacher, and and uh, I don't have no masters. That's for sure. That's ridiculous. Don't make no sense. Unreal. Uh, Thirteen hundred 
every year. Uh, and so there is a once you whatever you start at, that's you're gonna it's gonna be a sales pace going forward. And they, and so when they give us a five percent raise, you can believe that next year they're gonna try to give you a zero percent. You know, it's not gonna be five percent every year. So those teachers in Virginia need to really be respected and appreciated uh, for what they fought for. And I know that Americans across the country have to be fighting for the same thing. Well, James, I know here when they give us those raises, they may give us a 2% raise plus maybe a 3% step raise, but then they go up on the insurance like 3%. So that takes it back down to your raise being 2%. Yeah, it is extreme. <laughs> it is extremely ugly. And uh, so you know, you 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 have to so much so and but they keep telling us, Cheryl, they keep telling us how important our kids are and how they want qualified teachers and they want now they want teachers to carry weapons. You know what I mean? They they want a whole lot for so little, don't they? You, they want so a lot. Right. They want they definitely do. They want a lot. I mean, you know, it's only so much that teachers can do. And I mean, now you just you're doing it because you love doing it. Um, you know, I have not heard anybody say that they really love it because of the money that they're making. And that's when I was in school, out of school, and today. I haven't heard one person, you know, say it. And, I mean, with all that they give and all that is expected of them, I mean, they definitely can make way more money, way, way more money. Because, you see, if we value our children, then we should put even more value on who's teaching our children because they're going away from home all day. And, I mean, this is somebody that we trust <laughs> mm-hmm. and that we're dependent on to take care of our children, and then yeah. just pennies is thrown at them. That's, you know, that's really not fair at all. I mean, we look into line everybody pockets, but we haven't um, heard anything about, you know, taking care of our teachers. So, yeah, we got, you know, something got to be done. I mean, maybe this might hit, um, provoke other ones to to do something different or require something different, but definitely. And, I mean, the pay, the pay needs to continually going up steadily. And, I mean, that's, a, that's not any money at all. And just like we'll say, you know, this is over the summer, the vacation. It's divided up. Over all of that time, that's I mean, I, I just don't see. I don't. I don't see that. Um, I would really have to love and love and really love to do it, and probably have to have my spouse to um to take care of everything, everything. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, the teachers even get fat. They want to buy. Um, extra the bulletin board, the great bedroom. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
that is totally the wrong answer when on a daily basis I see teachers cry because they are so stressed between what is being put on them in the school system and probably what has you know what's happening in just in daily life in their households at home going home having to deal with their own children after dealing with children at school all day trying to love each each you know group of children your own and the ones at work wanting to to be an effective teacher wanting to be a loving and supportive parent you only have so much energy in you, and they want to put guns in the hands of these teachers. Wrong answer. I have to tell you that one of the things that I could not believe that they tried to ask me to do early on, I had somebody call my room and wanted me to evaluate a child and determine or help to determine whether that child was well cared for in their home. And they were asking me all kind of questions as I, you know, to, to look and and to evaluate uh, this child. And I told them that, listen, I just do not feel comfortable making an evaluation on this child, and some of the questions were questions that you would think I went home with the child, uh, and I would say, now, this is just not my place, you know what I'm saying? And they are constantly asking teachers to do things that are not in their place. I can't make my child, I cannot make children, or when I was teaching, children do their homework. I, I just find it, I am so glad that I'm out, out of the system now, because the kind of pressure they're putting on these teachers to make these uh, test scores go up as though you can go home with each of these children and make sure they're doing what they need to do to be successful on these tests. So, Joyce, you know, it's almost like they're trying to make teachers um, nannies and, and, and make sure that, these kids are living in the right environment uh, so that their test scores will be adequate when it comes time. Well, they used to have in the system, I think, to my knowledge, they used to have what they call social workers there uh, to evaluate uh, and to do what they're asking each individual teacher to do. Um, they have gotten away from uh, school nurses. Uh, they just had all the capabilities that the, the way that school used to be ran, and the way that everybody wanted to get into teaching, because at that time that was a high-paying job. Right now it's not, and it should be. And what we got is a lot of people uh, in Congress, our old-timers, they don't have no young kids. We need people there who can relate to what is happening in the day-to-day world. All those big guys up there, they don't do nothing but earn a big paycheck, go home and eat, eat big, and the whole bit, they have no clue. No clue what is going on in the world and on a day-to-day basis. That's how come they can sit up there and make those ugly, uh, negative, racist, uh, not good decisions for most of the people in America when that shouldn't be. But uh, 
we got to do something about that. Uh, our education should be the top, the top of the line in order for us to compete. Because let me tell you what, those Chinese, India, they teach almost 24-7. They get up so early in the morning to teach uh, those kids and the whole bit. We're losing out on a lot because sometimes we have good teachers, we have bad teachers. To put a gun in some of these teachers' hands, and most of them are, some of them are racist. Can you imagine the first thing that tee off on a brother or sister, you are, they'll blow you away. And then you gave them, the president gave them the authority to do that. The way that he tells you to pack and go out in the street and kill somebody, and he's he telling you he wants you to have a gun. Because some of the teachers, you know what I mean, it's not, it was just last week or a couple of days ago, did you see on the news where they start shooting, uh, firing a gun inside the classroom? Now, think in, about that. In Georgia. everybody to have a gun? Something wrong with right. this picture. Yeah, it was in Georgia. Yep, that was in Georgia. Well, you got that in Georgia, you got it in Arizona, you got it in Alabama, you got it in Mississippi, you got it in every state of the United States, because some of them are not tuned up good, too, you see, our teachers, you see. That's Can right. you imagine That's that he right. was on the lot, and then you're going to give him carte blanche to go up in there and shoot? you telling them to do something now. You can do it in the classroom when you, you was already doing it in the street to our brothers and sisters. Hello. Not going to work. <laughs> They sit their ass up there and make all these rules and stuff, but they don't have no young people, so they don't care about it. They old as dirt. They don't have any, any young young grandkids coming up in the school system because they all go to private school. So, you know, who cares? That's how come we can't pass these gun laws in the way because they're sending theirs to the private school. But I tell you what. When they start shooting their ass up over there in the private school, I bet you you're going to see something because I tell you what, we didn't have an opiate uh, uh, epidemic until it started, what, hitting home, huh? Because, mm-hmm. you know, that drug's right. probably been a, a drug problem for years on the brothers and sisters out in the street. But now that it hit home on their table and you're looking at it, oh, now it's an epidemic. And look at all the programs. That's the number one priority. Honey, it's a trip. Don't get me started. Sorry. <laughs> I went well, off we, track. We know that I you went off track. You ain't raw form, Miss Joyce. And that's Ooh, what we need to do because it's the truth. It, it is the truth. Our society is always asking the people at the bottom to do more and do more and do more. But the people at the top want to sit and fat cat it and uh, waste all the money instead of providing opportunity for the people who are really doing the job. So, you know, it is just incredible that we find ourselves in this situation. We're going to take a short break and we'll come back and continue continue the conversation. You know I love music. And every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun. But it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here it makes you wanna
of the world to take my rightful place among the stars, the woman that does not use the traditional roadmaps to a given place, but create my own destination. I am this woman that maintains her intrinsic beauty in ways not determined by others' thoughts, but by my own sense of uniqueness, my own desire of sexiness and allure. I am this woman designed by my creator to scale the height of the unbounded, allowing my talents to be seen by the masses while inspiring those yet to dream 
to greatness. I am the mother of the world, deserving the respect of all that walk under the gravity of the earth, igniting the love that exists in all men, while being the birthplace of the future. I am this woman. I am this woman that ascends the expectation of the world to take my rightful place among the stars. The woman who does not use the traditional roadmaps to a given place, but creates my own destination. I am this woman that maintains her intrinsic beauty in ways not determined by others' thoughts, but by my own sense of uniqueness, my own desire of sexiness and allure. I am this woman designed by my creator to scale the height of the unbounded, allowing my talents to be seen by the masses while inspiring those to dream. I am the woman of the world, deserving the respect of all that walk under the gravity of the earth. Igniting the love that exists in all men while being the birthplace of the future. I am this woman. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Uh, I want to share with you all uh, what happened in Orlando recently. And if you have something that uh, took place in your particular area that you'd like to talk about, uh, I, I want you to be given this opportunity. But here in Orlando, uh, you know, we talk about domestic violence all the time and how we need to reach out to our young men and try to get them to understand their place in the world and how they have to stop trying to dominate the lives of women and understand that if a woman no longer wants to be with you, you need to just go about your way and not allow her to to become uh, such a dominant place in your life that you feel like you can't live without her. It's important for our young men to understand and appreciate what love is, but love is not domination. And uh, we had a young man here who, for whatever reason, and it it has happened a number of times, I bet you in the last year we've had four or five men uh, on on, uh, death row or possibly death row because of a relationship with a female, and um, now this young man died uh, a week or so ago. He went to lady's job, and just by the grace of God, she was able to get out the back of the building. Uh, but he accosted everybody in the, the business and waved his gun around while he was looking for this girl, and they were able to call the police, and when he came out, there was a shootout between him and the police, and he ended up dying. And so it, it's just that, you know, men need to stop thinking or believing that somehow or another they have bought and paid for their connection with a woman uh, because she has spent some time with them and that she has every right to move on if that relationship is no longer 
a positive one for her. And so, you know, we just, uh, I don't know how we get the word to them, but they we, we need, there's so many reasons that African-American young men are dying that we need to help them understand they're going to have to change their behavior or their way of thinking or they're going to continue to die because they've got these antiquated ways of thinking related to ownership of of, uh, of women. Now, I want you all to, uh, if you have something that was going on in your city that you want to share with us or you want to make a comment about what I just said, uh, you feel free to do whatever you want. But I just had to tell you, you know, it's, it's just disheartening when you see young men uh, just wasting their lives, either in jail or dead, because they've fallen so in love that they can't do without a woman who wants to move on. Uh, Cheryl, uh, do you have anything to add that's going on in New Orleans that we need to know about that is uh, is, is uh, detrimental to uh, our young men or young women? Or would you like to make a <laughs> statement about what I just shared? Um, I can briefly say we just have too much of killing going on here. Unnecessary killing. Our youth are killing up each other. And it has been black on black crime. But to elaborate what you said is that a lot of it has to do with self-worth. That they don't feel they're worthy of nothing else or no one else. And that they are attached, and I mean really attached to another person where it makes it difficult for the other person to move on. And you're right. When somebody says that they don't want you, let them go. And it doesn't mean because you're a bad person. It doesn't mean because you've done something. You know, it can just simply mean that they've moved into a different direction they are not in love with you the way that they feel like they need to be to be in a relationship. So a lot of times I think that it, you know, it stems from self-worth. And self-worth comes from, you know, even can come from childhood, not getting the attention, uh, being uh, one child getting more attention than the other. And this one child is trying to find themselves. So we have so many issues, and people are not wanting to take their responsibility for their own selves and say, I need to work on me. What's going on with me? What can I do best? Look at the self in the mirror first, you know, and and if we need help, get help because we don't have all of the answers. We don't have the tool, the necessary tools, you know, to help us to get through a situation. And when something happens like that, that's almost like death to a person. And everybody takes it differently. So I think that, you know, that they do need to understand that um, that they need help. And getting the help, maybe they can go into another relationship um, stronger. But a lot of times, you know, we choose individuals that can't give, they can't give, they don't love themselves, and they definitely can't love you. But we go into relationships wanting to love somebody and want to compensate for things that they don't have. 
and then when we tied or whatever the reason is and we want to move on, we have latched them to us. Now they're dependent on us. So, um, yeah, we need work. And, I mean, that goes for both sides. That goes for women as well as for men. All right. Uh, Joyce, uh, anything you'd like to share or you want to make comment on that, um, you know, what's going on in, in your area? Well, you know, it can go both ways to not only guys, it's, it's, it's young ladies, too, because remember that one case of Aurelia, I guess that's her name, uh, she shot this guy, it, 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 she was from here, Arizona, in, in the uh, shower, they made a movie about it, and she's up for, uh, uh, she, she pleading not guilty, she asking for a new trial, but I think what has happened, too, is it's okay to be rejected, nothing wrong with that, we got to learn how to be rejected. Now, back in the old days, our parents was rejected a lot. When the white man said no, they mean no. But see, our young people now, they're they so used to wanting everything. But it's okay to be rejected. It's nothing wrong with being rejected. we got to learn how to handle yourself when you are. See, uh, that's what's going on, I think, when we compare it in the old days to the new generation is that uh, we have to have a lot of composure, our ancestors, our, uh, because they took a lot of shit. I mean, I mean, a lot of stuff. They took a lot of stuff. They had to, they, they had to when they were belittled and the whole bit, that's all in learning how to re- retain it and keep it in and keep it under control. We don't know how to do that with the new generation. You know, they don't know how to learn to have that self-composure. And everything that they want, they feel that they should get. It doesn't work that way. So it's okay to be rejected, and it's okay for someone to say, no, move on. But you got to live through it. But you don't live through it by hurting other people. And sometimes they hurt people that they don't even know just to uh, get that rage out. That's not the way to do it. We got to learn how to contain that. And then, too, like Cheryl said, is that we got to let them know that we love them a lot. They worth, they worth something. You know, you mean more than that. This too shall pass, you see. You know, uh, right now you might be rejected, but then, too, God is just moving you out of the way for that princess, uh, that prince to come along. That's what we got to teach them. We got to help them talk it through it. So I'm assuming that's what is happening, too, that they got to learn how to accept rejection and just move on with it. Yeah, it's important to recognize that your life is more important uh, than any one person and that you can't tie your whole existence up into one person. I remember uh, when I was going through my loss, uh, and when I mean loss, my wife had uh, left home and my minister asked me, you know, would you continue to live had she died? And I said, yes. Then if she left, what difference is it? She ain't not with you, so just treat it as a death and move on. But so many people get so tied up in the people uh, that they just can't uh, live without them, understanding that human beings have flaws, and they're not going to always want to do what you want to do, when you want to do it. And so you have to be prepared to let them move on if they want to move on. But your life, you shouldn't throw your life away because somebody doesn't like you the way or love you the way you love them. And uh, it's sad that so many of our 
young people are finding themselves involved in these toxic relationships, and then they're willing to give their lives away for those relationships. And these are just both young people and adults, because uh, every time you turn around, you know, people have to be afraid to tell you they, they want to leave you because of how you may act up, and that's that's really sad. And I feel sorry for this young man who, for whatever reason, I don't know how he thought going in that that restaurant with a gun was going to change the outcome uh, in his favor. Uh, but, again, he lost his life as a result. And so now you have him dead and that young lady still living and doing whatever it is she want to do. So I want to thank you all for calling in and uh, thank you for your support. And uh, always know that I appreciate you calling in and sharing the different discussions with me. And I look forward to uh, us doing this again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We're on Thoughts, Love, and Reflection. You're able to give your opinion without interference. Take care, everybody, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thoughts, Love, and Reflection by James T. Deshay. I am a gladiator. Despite what others choose to see, my life is determined by my selected steps. Regardless of the traps set by those who hate me, I am the master of my lifelong quest. It is my convictions and courage that will decide the success of my personal journey, not the dreamless limitations of those who refuse to see the greatness of my legacy. I walk not in the shadow of those who wish to be unnoticed. I stand tall in a crowded room of those who created their own path through life. I am driven to make noise where others wish to remain silent. I wear the suit of those who slew dragons and ruled kingdoms. I will not give in to the starless skies of those who see me as worthless and without meaning. I am a present-day gladiator, and I will have victory over the kingdom of my birthright. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflection, brought to you seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Your voice can be heard loud and clear and without interruptions. Don't allow self-doubt to silence your dreams. Call 407-459-4827. That's 407-459-4827. Allow your dreams to take flight. Increase your quality of life and your monthly cash flow. Visit my website, www jamestdeshay.com that's www.jamestdeshay.com if you enjoy my poetry please hit the like button and subscribe i look forward to you becoming a part of my listening audience